0: You are now entering the Bad Christian Podcast.
1: Welcome to the show, piss ants. Now that might be kind of a strong nickname, but it was sent in by Cam Harless of Twitter, who says his grandmother used to call him and his brothers and sisters that. So I looked up piss ant on the internet just to see exactly what it means. I've heard it my whole life. So the piss ant is, in fact, a real ant. It's also known as the wood ant. It makes large, mounded nests and is found throughout most of the forests of Europe. The name pissant arose from the urine-like odor produced from its nesting materials, pine, needles, and straw. It has since been used as slang to indicate someone or something's insignificance. A Virginia politician once silenced the heckler by saying that he was a big dog on a big hunt and he didn't have time for a pissant on a melon stalk. And U.S. President London B. Johnson once referred to Vietnam as a, quote, piddling little pissant country. So thank you, Cam Harless, for sending in that nickname. If you have one, send it in at hashtag BCPodIntro on Twitter. All right, something I haven't mentioned on here in a little while, and especially if you're new, check this out. Not only do Toby and Joey and I have a podcast, and do we have a famous rock band, but we also wrote a book. It's called Bad Christian, Great Savior. It's available now on paperback and as an e-book from our website, badchristian.com. If you go to campaigns and badchristian store, you will find it there. If you haven't already read it, get it, check it out, buy it for somebody else. It's a pretty short, pretty easy read. It tells some stories about Toby and Joey and I that are, let's just say, less than flattering, and gives a little bit of an assessment of where we think Christianity and the church and people really are at, based on our experiences in the world. And much like being an independent band, we are published independently, so we make the book, we sell the book, and uh, the money goes right to us. It's only five bucks for the ebook version and ten for the paperback. Thank you for continuing to support and listen to the Bad Christian Podcast. Do us a favor and explain it to like an older person that doesn't really understand podcasting and you just explain to them. It's basically, you know, talk radio, but it's on demand. You can listen to it while you cut the grass. Boom. Sold.
2: Three, two, one. Mm-hmm. You know what time it is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We back it? up in this house. Who's it's that? the Christian!
1: Okay, folks. Welcome to our favorite episode of the Bad Christian Podcast. Matt, Toby, and Joey broadcasting to you. We have we're a back. we have our favorite uh, guest we've ever had on the show today, Dave Bazan uh, from Pedro yeah. the Lion. <laughs> so we're gonna talk just for a couple minutes and get right into this interview. We're excited to talk to you. Yeah, him. Matt,
2: it, it was uh, really funny because uh, so Dave uh, does living room shows a ton, mm-hmm. and uh, so Joey actually I give him credit he found out Dave was coming to Charleston and uh, bought us. Us, uh, my wife and I, and then a bunch of other folks, some
3: tickets. You still owe me 40 bucks.
2: I, I actually have the check in my wallet to give to you. Don't oh, let me cool. forget it. Um so so we went and uh I, our listeners i think most of you guys know but matt and i do living room shows too so i was really excited to go to a living room show first of all because you've Dave never was on. been
1: to one other than yeah, when we yeah. played at
2: one right 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 i've never been to a living room show unless we were actually the the band that was playing so i was really excited to learn and just see what somebody else did differently and honestly dave's kind of one of those pioneer people that has been doing it for a while so uh we got there, and it's really funny because uh, so I'll give a little preface of what Matt and I do. Matt and I hang out, and we talk. <laughs> so, so we show up to a house at like five, five thirty. We just start talking, hanging out. We don't leave till beer. after midnight, eight, out. Din- Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just I mean, we are there. Dave walks in. The shows at eight. Dave walks in. Not joking. Seven fifty nine. Walks in, <laughs> sets his stuff in the kitchen, comes in, unzips his guitar, looks at everybody, says, Hey, how are you doing everybody? I'm Dave Bazan, tunes his guitar for a second, and just starts playing three songs immediately. Zero talking or anything. I was like,
4: whoa, this is crazy. <laughs>
2: and then uh so <laughs> also he does a after a while he plays a few songs. He says, Hey, if anybody you know wants to ask any questions, this is a good time to, you know, for you to do that. I'll you know, I'll take questions during this whole set. So well, if you have anything you want to say, and so Matt, you know me, I always get a little frustrated when people don't ask questions, right?
1: Yeah, when we're playing these living room shows, typically we tr- we we depend on the fan interaction. That's the whole part of it. So we ask them, say, "You guys, tell us, ask us some difficult questions, or tell us something really personal about you." And we try to make it, you know, serious. And most of the time, people are pretty forthcoming and stuff like that. But sometimes we'll ask, uh, try to get the crowd engaged, and it's just got that really you know, uptight vibe and and the crowd isn't talking a lot and they're not asking any deep questions or being very revealing about their self. And those can be, I would say, more difficult shows.
2: And and those people piss me off. Like I get mad. During <laughs> yeah, Toby our is pretty mad at them because I want them just to talk and have fun. I'm like, man, you paid money to be here. And you know, we're giving you the time to like, obviously you like our band and stuff. Here's your time to talk. And they didn't. So a lot of uh, times
1: Toby will say, uh, if you don't ask, if you don't ask a question right now in front of all these people, then don't ask me one after the show. <laughs> yeah, I, I make that.
2: <laughs> so here's the funny thing. I didn't say a word during the episode. <laughs> <laughs> <The show. laughs> Why not? not? Were you well, too scared was, or you couldn't no, think of I something or what? No, I had questions. But here's what I really thought. I really thought, man, this is Dave's show. And I feel like the questions I'm going to ask, I, w- I would the questions that really I would like to know would be about his his faith or lack thereof now, uh, you know, how he went from you know honestly a uh, evangelical hero almost for a lot a of, lot of indie Christian kids. and to now he is not a believer. And so I wanted to ask those things, but I just thought, man, I guess he gets that all the time and it's just am I, I don't want to be antagonistic and I just want to enjoy the music too, and I just could not bring myself to say anything. So
1: nobody asked you any other questions along that line?
2: No, other people ask questions like Joey and his wife wouldn't stop talking. It was <laughs> unbelievable. I realized that when you're at a show, Joey and Priscilla are probably the people that you want at the show the most. Uh, and I'm going to give you a few reasons why, but it was really funny because he asked these questions. Nobody's really asking anything. And Priscilla, you know, she, she goes, tell us a little bit about your family. and i was like okay and he and he you know he taught and so he he he, kind of lit up he's the nicest i know that's what i'm saying it works you two worked (laughs) i'm just saying the questions y'all were asking were like it really was like I don't know, like uh, an old cute couple that <laughs> are really proud of their son playing a living room show. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Matt,
3: listen, and Matt, listen Joey, to this.
2: No, let me tell you what Joey asked. No, hold on. After, uh, hold on. Hold no, on. No, no, I'm finishing no, this. I immediately this. after Priscilla asked that, <laughs> Will you please Joey let said, me say no, something. I'm not. I'm, it's
3: about that. I'm, <laughs> I'm going to talk first. You, I wanna can, <laughs> you can say yours after me. After Joey, Joey hasn't my, talked yet to say, on the
2: podcast.
3: I just want Joey to say something about this.
2: Joey, right after Priscilla, Joey goes, Dave, um, what is your favorite album that you've written? (laughs) All right. And I started dying laughing. And he, and he goes, well, and he answered the question super nice and genuine. But Joey, I was just like, man, this is just hilarious. And then Joey, you know, Joey kept talking and, you know, Joey would bring up some, band that nobody had ever heard before oh yeah you, you know you <laughs> toured with uh, the the blue blob of Pe- of pennsylvania all right so
3: are you gonna it, have to let poor joey talk he hasn't spoken yeah, I, yet on the podcast go ahead joey i, I do want to say this that i was sitting there about to bust because i really for some reason wanted to know what his favorite album was and i he was even about to bust i even thought through i was like toby and matt are gonna give me hell for this for the rest of my life because i know what you guys would say about that question (laughs) i even thought to myself bazan's probably going to be like oh that's the dumbest question ever but he's going to be nice about it so i knew what i was risking it wasn't i wasn't oblivious to how crazy of a question it was but i really wanted to know and matt do you want to know I mean, I
1: don't, I don't care about knowing because I don't believe his answer is real or sincere or even a valid answer because (laughs) I've been asked that a million times and I don't know what I say. I make something up every time I say a different, I say a different album every time somebody asks me, I just come up with an answer that will sound entertaining and I go with it. So (laughs) whatever he said, I I don't
2: believe it anyway. I mean, it's similar to saying, Hey, which one of your kids is you really like the most? That's not true. It is. We work our tails off to write an album and spend all this time away from
1: family. Toby, I've, I've heard Toby ask that question, uh, Eighty times, and every single time, he's always just said the most current album. That's the way he answers it, matter of factly, no matter what. And yeah, I always try I to, I always try to come up with a clever answer, but it's always a lie, so it doesn't matter.
3: So Matt, here, here's what's super cool: is after the show, I actually walked out about the time when he was walking back in from his car, and so it just happened to be perfect timing. And I said, "Hey man," I said, "Do you?" Uh, I said, "Do you keep up with your Twitter?" Any, and he's just like, "Yeah, a little bit." And I was like, "Well." i said a lot of people have been twittering i don't know if you've heard of bad christian but a lot of people have been twittering from bad christian and and he immediately said oh yeah i know you guys i just listened to one of your podcast episodes and i was like oh hell yeah like i actually responded really cool like oh yeah which one but inside i was just like oh my gosh he's already listened to us so he immediately uh was down for it and um so I basically said, "Hey, why don't we wait till you're off tour uh, and we can, you know, Skype you in?" And he he was just like, "Nah, I'd actually rather do it while I'm on tour, you know, so he can focus on his uh family while he's there." So we made plans and uh he's a very uh very punctual plan-oriented person.
1: All right, so let's bring him on here and talk to him. I'm very excited about it. But before we do that, Uh good job, by the way, guys, landing such I always am calling you guys saying, I've got good news, I've got good news, and I wish you guys would call me more with good news, but when you called me and told me that Dave Bazan wanted to do the podcast today, that I appreciated that. I thought that was great work on y'all's part. So congratulations to you
3: two for landing this big interview. Wait, wait, so you just said congratulations to you two. I want to hear Toby. Right. I want to hear Toby say something. I don't know what I'm supposed to say. I You're think he's to- implying
1: that you didn't have anything to do with it. You didn't have anything to do with it. It's all Joey.
3: Yeah, so the, oh, okay. the, nice, the nice the nice, thing to do is just say, good job, Joey. Joey, thank yeah. you for making something awesome happen for Bad Christian for once.
2: You're right. I guess uh, a strange bald man that's getting ready to ask him about his early band <laughs> <laughs> standing in a dark, outside a dark house in front of a. I guess if I wouldn't have been there, he would have definitely jumped on your podcast, <laughs> the Joey Svensson <laughs> <Spencer laughs> podcast you would have done.
1: Alright, so uh, we've, uh, we've met Dave several times and seen him around town and festivals and stuff like that, but we've never had a chance to sit down and talk with him at length, so uh, we're going to you know, make a lot of time to do that on this episode today, and I hope you guys will enjoy it, but before we get to that, I want to tell you guys about X3 Watch. It's a, it's a big deal. They're the official sponsor of the Bad Christian Podcast. X3 Watch is a computer program that blocks pornographic and questionable material from our internet browsers. Toby, Joey, and I use it. And it also sends reports to each other if one of us visits a questionable site and uh, emails you know, people that are our accountability partners and it's been super helpful to us. And we really like it a ton. Don't you guys like it? Yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah. And I mean, honestly, triple X church is just such an awesome organization all the way around. Like Joey likes them so much. He actually started looking at porn just to give them some work to do because he just really appreciates. Why are you looking at me that way?
3: <laughs> I just agree. <laughs> It is
2: awesome. It's an awesome uh, program. The X3 Watch is just great. It works so good. It really does. I've said this before, but it really does just keep you. It, it feels like an invisible friend that's just there, going, "Hey, ah, uh, this site, man. I feel like this might get you a little bit. You might want to stay away from this one." That's it's what like it feels never like.
1: being. Uh, it's like not being alone with your computer, which is essentially when we all get into trouble. Is when we're isolated and when we're alone. And if you have, if you have X3 Watch on your computer, it's it's like. There's always somebody there with you while you're browsing the internet. And that's if you don't want to look at pornographic material and you try to avoid it. And that's not everybody, but it's definitely Toby, Joey, and I. And we really appreciate Triple X Church and X3 Watch. If you want to get X3 Watch, you can go to x3watch.com forward slash badchristian and try it out. And if you uh, if you go to that page, x3watch.com forward slash badchristian, you can get it for 50% off for the first year.
2: And that's like... Like that's like over half off, isn't it? Is that right? Fifty percent
1: is really getting close to half off. Yes,
2: that's like half off, or that's like more, I think, than half off. Yeah, I think it's a lot more than half off. I don't know, like pounds, euros. It depends on if you're
1: in the pound or the euro or the dollar. Fifty percent off the yen. I
3: think fifty yen. Fifty percent off is
2: almost free. Yeah, I I would say close to. It's closer to free than not free. Yeah, totally. So I would definitely order it now. X three watch. Right on. All right, we'll be right back with Dave Bazan.
1: I know you guys out there are thinking about or already have started a podcast of your own, and you know what? You should. You should today because it's easy to record a podcast, it's easy to talk. What's not as easy is hosting. We use SignalLeaf.com for our hosting. If you're listening to this, it's coming through SignalLeaf.com's hosting service. It's really easy to upload your podcast there. It's a very good deal. They're a great new company. It is not complicated with them. They're hosting without the headache. SignalLeaf.com forward slash Bad Christian is the URL for you to go to to get started with a free trial. Do it today.
3: SignalLeaf.com forward slash Bad Christian. We are back. I get to say that. Oh, I'm sorry. And we're back. Hey, man, I like that. Hey, guys. Thanks for sticking with us. I'm sure some of you uh, just can't wait for this interview. Let me just go ahead and warn you. Uh, me, Toby, and Matt, we have the juice right now. All three Meta of the us. Juice for me. Because uh, we were at a Dave Bazan living room show last night, and Toby and I both talked about how we needed to talk to him about getting on the podcast, and we we're sitting right here with easily our collaboratively our favorite musician since the late 90s me toby and matt have been digging on Pedro the line and dave and stuff so we are excited dave good to have you man thanks for having me yes for sure it was really funny last
2: night matt you weren't there but so uh so we're at a living room show and, and matt and i've done a lot of living room shows too and honestly we got the idea uh from you and uh and we even contacted Bob, and he gave us all your information. Like, yeah, Bob like, gave yeah, us the contract. Hey, you owe him some money, the contract and everything. And <laughs> that's like, awesome. It was just you guys are so cool. But it was really funny last night because Joey and Joey's wife Priscilla were there, <laughs> and I was like, I was just laughing because they just talked their asses off. Like, oh, oh man, they were just conversating. Dur- you had to make, appreciated no, that. I, that's totally. what I'm saying. Like, like actually, you guys are the guests that you would want. Because I was wait, you mean there. during the, the concert <laughs> or afterwards? Oh man, yeah, yeah, yeah. Priscilla goes. Can you can you elaborate a little bit on about your family? <laughs> 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 like
0: during the during the Q and A part. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Not during. Yeah. Not while he's playing. No, I know. But, but, but I mean, Dave the, is really the, yeah. good.
2: But. It, and then what was really funny is, is uh, Joey asked just classic, like, you know. I really my, wanted to
3: know what, what album was, was his favorite. What, what, what's your favorite <laughs> album? It's just like
2: the world. The I saw it on Day Space. And I
1: was like. No I, way. I just was dying, I was sitting
2: like right beside you. I was just dying loud. I was like, I can't believe he's asking that question. And then you gave a, you know, a long answer and everything, but.
1: Let's say what what are some yeah. of the what are some of the just so people know and you could say this here. What are some of the bad questions that are like at least stock questions? They're not bad, but what are what are the bad ones? Like, what is your favorite song of yours? That what what other stuff do you get a lot?
0: Uh, it's usually just what's your favorite color. That's the, the that's <laughs> like below the line. How About
1: boxers or briefs that, when they try to ask the silly ones like that.
0: So, I get that one sometimes, um, and that's okay. You know, people if, if they're trying to connect, that's fine you know but if they're just saying something to flap their gums that's you know it can be a little annoying have you ever gotten outwardly pissed at someone at a living room show uh maybe once um i think just one time you want to share uh you know i don't remember the specifics all that well but it was it was in boston and it was a guy who had come to just he was a troll in real life. Yeah. Oh, wow. um, <laughs> a live troll. Like an internet troll, but like he <laughs> was in, in the flesh. And uh, <clears throat> so I think he said, um, he's like, you seem really angry. Yeah. You know, uh, why is that, man? Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and I was like, well, I've, I don't think of myself as particularly angry and I don't feel angry. Wait, no, yes I do. Right now I feel angry. <laughs> and here's why. And so I just started going off yeah. at him because he was being a little bitch. So how does that him. does that work
1: in real life? The same as on the internet. Like if they if he gets a rise out of you, then he still wins, or did you were you able
0: to win that one? Um I I don't know about winning on that <laughs> there. Um, I um I felt like what I was saying was valid and he could feel, I mean, the thing about those house shows that's so great is that the 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 energy in the room that people are feeling, that I'm feeling, that the people at the show are feeling, everybody is feeling a similar energy. Mm-hmm. And so at that moment, I'm in charge and the energy got gnarly. Yeah. <laughs> no, and I think so that's awesome. In that sense, I feel like the guy, everybody was, I think everybody else was mad at the guy, too.
3: So let me let me say this. For those of you that may have never heard of uh, Dave Bazan, he uh, was in a band, Pedro the Lion. I mean, he basically was Pedro the Lion. I, I can say that. He won't say that because of the band members. But um, the, the big story, and I think one of the reasons why a lot of people wanted to have uh, Dave on the show is he was pretty much a... Uh, everybody would say he's a Christian musician saying about God and, um, you know, that sort of thing. And I'd say in 2004, 2005 is he started to turn a corner, I guess I'll let him explain it, but basically now does not believe in God, uh, necessarily, um, would, you know, doesn't, um, go with the Christian faith, and, um, you know, so basically, not a Christian. And a lot of people, including us, want to hear a little more about that. So, Joey, let me
1: note that more interesting than just that, that it seems that Dave's whole uh, his whole point of view shift over time uh, actually was captured in and represented in his music, which is what makes it the, all the more compelling. And it's almost the perfect, like, scenario for entertainment, at least for somebody like me, because Dave's first stuff was... Worshipping, even singing to God, doing hymns, uh, stuff like that, and yeah. then he he kind of it kind of chronicles <laughs> his walk through into some skeptical things and hard hitting stuff all the way down to uh, to where he's at now. And and I know it's just lyrics, and there's a lot more to the yeah. real component of it, but there's been nothing like that, haven't? Here he, seeing that chronicled
2: over his lyrics throughout the albums over more than ten years, so that's what makes it awesome. Well, the thing that's that's neat about it for me is it really is like a long autobiography that you just keep finding out more bits and pieces and i don't think you planned it that way i didn't know but that level of vulnerability over this many years i mean is that i yeah i mean i don't know what to say so
3: here's here's a direct question dave Mm -hmm. um i know you don't remember this but in 98 toby and i actually came up to you after a show uh, you were touring uh, with Joy Electric. Oh wow! And, yeah, um, I forgot who else was on the uh, Lower Pro- 100 Prodigal Sons. 100, yeah, and, and, and so we came up to you, and we were super intrigued. He had Toby had just fallen in love with the Holy EP, and we were just like, "Man, you know, can we talk to you? Can we ask you some questions?" And I mean, you talk the talk. Uh, it was God this, God that. I yep. feel convicted to write this way, and I feel the Holy Spirit that. And we just walked away. We were just like, holy shit, this yeah. dude is unbelievable. Like, you know, not only does he have awesome people skills, super nice, he acted super interested in us, but he just seems to be guided by God and just totally. all that stuff. So you looking back on that now, how do you explain that to people? I mean, because you,
0: you obviously believed that. Yeah, I did. Um, and um, I was. I've always been pretty earnest mm-hmm. you know in whatever I was 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 doing and tried to you know like uh songs like DeGarmon and Keys Casual Christian and yeah. things like that would really really spoke to me like I wanted to be like all the way yeah. whatever I was being um and so um and th- that took the form of being a little bit precious yeah you know like and we, I mean, a lot of us, I think, who grew up Christian, there's moments in our lives where we were, you know, trying our best to be the best Christian possible, right. and that can take the form of being a little precious about stuff. So that's what I would say. Um, you know, I I like that guy that was talking to you. Do you think he's a dumbass? Um, I think he's a guy who was doing his best. I mean, that guy now is a dumbass. You know, yeah. Like I, I, me. You know, I'm all I, there's. There's tons of things that I, I mean, I, I hate myself so much sometimes that yeah. it's not like no, he's awesome, right. he's totally great. Um, I probably didn't have as much self-loathing back then, mm-hmm. uh, for whatever reason. But no, I, I just think that I was working from a playbook that I had inherited and that I had not examined full yet, and I was Betcha. doing my best with that the problem with that to me is though the way that you
1: did that the playbook as you say it i don't i don't know where you got that playbook because even at that time (laughs) i don't know of anybody else that was doing and writing the kind of lyrics and being as earnest as you say as you were and even being challenging of christianity uh in that way so i don't understand what you mean by play where did you get that playbook because that's not the typical one
0: well you know i guess that was part of my upbringing is that and it was kind of subtle i guess but seeing my parents navigate um christian life and christian culture and church life and all that stuff i just gotta look into doing it uh, you know i i was able to see the playbook that i think is similar to what everybody what everybody's doing but they they were idealists in a way Mm -hmm. and are still um as my dad was a music pastor and my mom was a you know a pastor's wife and the way that they cared for people and put people first and were not petty people at all. Uh, we're often the target of petty people in the church, which yeah. obviously there's an overwhelming, coincidentally, uh, there's an overwhelming number of petty people in the church experience <laughs> that I had. Yeah. Um, but uh, So I just saw them navigate, and there was room to discuss things like in uh-huh. seventh grade I remember we we had lived it up through sixth grade uh, in my memory we had you know th- we had lived in the same place and gone to the same church and my dad was at the same church and so there are certain little traditions or things that do and don't kind of emerge in church life and one of them was 4th of July which was you know was kind of in the recent past here um, uh, we never had a Made a big deal out of it in the church that I grew up in. Yeah. But in seventh grade, we moved to a different town and we were at a church that had a tradition of making kind of a big thing about Fourth of July weekend and having a service that was really dedicated to sort of more patriotic themes and songs and actually had like the local color guard come in with flags, Christian flag, American flag, the Arizona flag, and you know... Fake guns. Well,
3: Christian flag and American flag synonymous. Same thing, right? I mean, yes. <laughs> well, and so when I was
0: in seventh grade, we were singing. You know, we we're singing "Battle Hymn of the Republic," and we were singing, you know, some s- songs that had that evoked God's name, but it was very patriotic. And I remember as a seventh grader thinking, "This doesn't seem." I, I I afterward, I told I talked to my dad at lunch. I said, "I think that you're getting something mixed up. That you're." I wouldn't have known the word conflate, but that you're conflating two things with one another Mm -hmm. that don't, that don't go, that aren't the same thing. And he said, interesting. Tell me more rather than being defensive or, or whatever. And so they were just, they're people who I respect deeply to this day. We have conflict, especially my mom and I regarding, I mean, she's just so worried about me. Um, but she always stuck up for the underdog. She always was passionate about the little issues of justice in our community and pe- making sure that, you know, we'd go buy Bugle Boy pants for Bugle a Boy. kid that was my age whose mom couldn't afford him and leave him on his doorstep, you know, yeah. uh, anonymously. And, I mean, that, we just, they they lived Christianity in a way that, I can still get behind mm-hmm. yeah. even if I don't believe. And so I think that that's where some of the way that I tried to to parse it out came from. And then, you know, if you just as a teenager, if you look at the Bible and like really start reading the Bible for yourself, the difference between even a literal biblical interpretation of Christianity and what the church at large is doing and the church at large is about um, is a big gap. And so that was what I was into. So this is real
2: for you, though, because then. I mean, you see the heartbreak in your mom's eyes. Who oh, you, yeah. you think is one of the kindest people you've ever known. Yeah. So for you, you're like – I mean, it had to be – how tough was it to actually tell your parents? I mean, you, did you have to, like, sit them down and say, listen, or did you just kind of – they find out? Or
0: My dad kind of saw it coming because we probably had a little bit more off-the-reservation conversations, yeah. you know, over time. Um, and then my mom, I think she – knew it too but was kind of in denial Mm -hmm. about it and would talk to me kind of out of that denial about just whatever oh we just we'll just pray that blah 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 and and at a certain point i just said mom you know i don't i don't really believe that um any longer and she fell apart she was she said i know but you know we're still I'm still hoping,
3: or something like that. Oh, God, that feels so heavy. Would you say you're an atheist, agnostic, or what?
0: I mean, if you had to put a label on it. Um, I mean, I'm not an atheist. Um, I guess agnostic would be the most fitting, but it depends on how people define that. Right, Um, right. Mm -hmm. I tend to not feel compelled to label uh, myself in that way. Yeah. So, you know, you...
1: I think what's interesting for me. First of all, I want to ask this question just to be clear. You've, yes, sir. You do talk about all that stuff throughout your lyrics, but it, would it be a mistake to overly literalize where you were at with each thought? I mean, to some degree, it's art, or do you feel like your that point of view shift is is well documented by your lyrics because that's how most
0: people know it? Um, I think that it's pretty well documented, but. Um you know, the, an expression from two thousand seven or two thousand eight that finally was released in two thousand nine yep. might be just as out of date as um, an expression from nineteen ninety eight or Well, well let's be, let's
1: be specific here. Where could where could you mark? Uh, because the, that the most interesting thing about it has been people getting off the Dave Bazon train because he's no longer Christian at various points throughout your yep. albums. I think that's just the coolest thing in the world. I still love it's all your pretty albums. pretty
0: interesting. But
1: there's people that got off at this album, and then this album, and then this album, because they said, now he's gone, man. He's out. But where, right. would, where would you... He's i i not my hero anymore. Yeah, I think it was pretty much at maybe control. Did he just tell
3: the Holy Spirit to shut the F up? Yeah.
1: <laughs> no, I think that was the big dividing line there. But the, even with, <laughs> yeah. even with control, I think people were like, uh-oh, I mean... I yeah. don't think he's my Christian hero anymore, and I'm I'm out. And then I remember at Achilles' heel, especially. I th- that's the time when it was like people a ton of people marked a big shift or whatever. But do you? That's my
3: favorite album of all time. By thanks, the way, thanks, thanks so yeah, much. Man. Where
1: do yeah. you where do you mark that? Like where were you, where where when you were writing an album? Did you say I am a Christian? And then what album when you started writing it? Did you say I
0: am not? Um, well, it was
4: it,
0: I, everything up through headphones. Probably when I was writing the headphones record in, in two thousand five, um, I had already probably stopped calling myself a Christian, mm-hmm. um, but that was maybe more semantics uh, at the time uh, in two thousand three and two thousand four. Um, but it was probably true in two thousand five, and but I
1: was that the top of Achilles' heel.
0: No, it it was after, after, after Achilles heel. Um, I was still. I don't think I had had any real uh, glacial kind of mm-hmm. shifts before Achilles heel. So when you there wrote some trickling, the, but when
1: you wrote the lyric to that—that's the voice of the, might be the voice of the Holy Spirit begging you to shut the fuck up. At that time, did you yep. believe in the Holy Spirit?
0: Certainly, yeah.
1: When you wrote that lyric, okay, cool. That's a, that's a really. Uh, that's just a personal question. I just wanted to know that.
3: But. So how does it make you feel when I tell you that to this day, when I listen to The Bells and Secret of the Easy Yoke, I feel like God still works through those lyrics in my life? Do you just think, oh, I hate hearing that That's bullshit? Or do you think, well,
0: okay, that's cool? No, it's the the latter for yeah. sure. Um, I mean, because I even though those, uh, I think that, you know, I, I was trying to interpret the, biblical tradition yeah as i understood it the best way that i knew how in those tunes yeah and if i still if the biblical tradition still resonated with me in the same way that it did then those i see what what's good about those tunes i mean yeah. it, um particularly you know the, a lot of us felt alienated at, at church yeah when we were kids and the antidote to that alienation was the pure the more pure form of christianity right that was sort of in my thinking then encapsulated Mm -hmm. in the gospel or, or whatever, however you would want to describe it. Yeah. And so, you know, there's still a form of that that I'm pursuing, but it's just a little bit more global or something. Yeah. All right, Matt, let's hear your theory, baby.
1: Well, I'll tell you, first of all, what the scariest thing about it is, uh, is, you know, I think Dave is a smarter individual than me. He's a better artist than, than I am. And, uh, he, is older and farther along so part of the time throughout this whole thing i think man am i just am i just less farther along on my you know journey so to speak than he is like do do i end up where he does because because everything he says i go that is right on brother and at some point he's he's not a christian anymore and he's still uh wise and smart and i still think he's right on with a lot of stuff he says So i was totally some fear in me like am i is this the direction the three of us are headed you know
2: Well, last night, it was really funny because Dave is my exact age. You were born in 76. (laughs) That's right. Oh, shit. (laughs) I literally was sitting there, and I promise, man, to be honest. I'm just going to be really honest. Last night, I was just so bummed out, and I told you I was going to tell you this. Uh, So, just a little background here. This is going to be embarrassing for me, but I make eye contact right now <laughs> Look at him. i'm staring
0: right at david i'm looking the Here's other thing way too. honestly i'm really
2: i really am nervous right now like i mean i don't i know you, you shouldn't hear that your whole life outside yeah i know i really was that's why i've been drinking some beers because i'm like kind of got the juice man because uh how much influence you've had on us and you're my same age And i'm like dang that's just really crazy like i went to see you in charleston and you know and then i ended up being in a band and we've been playing forever but uh so a little bit, this is gonna be really fun. Let me tell you what I'm gonna say first. I uh, after I found out that you were no longer a Christian anymore, I really I was going to write a song and I was gonna, entitle it "You Just Got Bazond. Oh my god, <laughs> that's awesome!
3: <laughs> you know, I don't know if y'all remember Dave Chappelle. So you just got zapped. Yeah, <laughs> I you remember you, you telling me biz- that you're mad at him. You're just like, I really
2: was. I was like, I, honestly, I, I mean, and that's why I want to hear your mom. I feel like. And and let me clarify this with this is embarrassing for me because I'm telling you this and it shows a huge level of immaturity in my life uh, that I would do that rather than if I really believe what I say about Christ and stuff, I should be uh, proselytizing in a way that you could understand rather than just mad at you. That seems so stupid. And I'm not that way anymore. But uh, so I just felt like um, for me. Uh it, whether you believe the uh, Garden of Eden and the story of uh, the tree of, of knowledge or or whatever, you know, that's just figurative or whatever. Yep. For me, I feel like people wanted to know knowledge and God said you can't handle it. You cannot handle uh knowing more about sex because you'll rape. You cannot handle more knowing more about childbirth and, and or money or any of the stuff because you'll you'll it'll just kill you you you're not strong enough i didn't make you this way this is the, the way i made you was not to know these things and you'll be happier you'll be more free you'll be what i made you to be mm-hmm. i have that right cuz i made you and so it felt so biblical to me cuz i just thought I, man this guy and it, it seemed i don't want to call you a hero but in a lot of ways you were cuz i just you were writing these lyrics i was like man it just really so thought provoking and just hitting me right in the heart hitting me right in the head and uh so and I really just valued the way you would tell a story. Like even the show last night, you actually even said that, how you valued, it was so funny. You're talking about Cormac McCarthy and the road. Like that book just blew me away. Oh, and man. And, and, the, and, the, and, the, and, the, and you talked about how it was so biblical. I totally, I was like, dang it same age just what man come back dave's my same age these books he's talking about you know I, I was just like oh god you're talking about nine stories and all and it all exact same thing everything all that stuff just hit me and changed me and shaped me and so uh i guess i was mad because i was like how did you let the pursuit of knowledge or this invisible thing called truth or whatever right take you away from it because it just that that would never be to me and, and right you, know, you were on the front
3: thing. line sir
2: so so here's what i and I told my wife this it really bummed me out before b- before the show last night because i was I, and, and I'm not saying this to you know boost your ego or whatever, but you are in a lot of ways i i am not even self deprecating here you are smart, really intelligent have such a good grasp on way to talk say things clearly I can't even say this what i'm saying right now that clearly but uh and you you're not a christian and some reason i'm here still a Christian, and why would god Want me to say things? You know what I mean. Like, I was like, right. Man, "Why do we have to lose Dave?" Because I mean, the way he's saying things <laughs> is so, so awesome. It'd be, it'd be so much damn better if we were listening to the Dave Bazan podcast, really. Then, not, not you know, the Bad Christian podcast is we're like goof, goof off, frat dudes, and I can't believe God's using us this way, and it's just it's, it just sucks. So anyway, long story short, I'm, long story long. uh Yeah, I was wanted to tell you that, and then and so what was that? I mean. I don't know where where I'm trying to go with this now. I'm I'm still nervous, honestly. But uh, going back going back to what Matt said, yeah, I just felt like, uh, is that how everybody took it? Man, I'm, we're just pissed off at our at our guy. This is our guy, right? They can say it, shoot straight.
0: I I p- people seemed bummed. I mean, I and I you know I got a lot of. Um, I got a lot of feedback via the internet and some of it was just, uh, you know, vitriol and, and yeah. uh, just evil, you know, from people. And then others was uh, reasonable people who were just kind of crestfallen because, you know, not not, not that I'm some big deal, but that, you know, when some, uh, like with Secret of the Easy Yoke," I understand, I mean, that song was a comfort to me like I needed that song when I wrote it to to help me process the way that I was feeling in the culture that I was a part of and so it it when other people connected with it I understood that connection and it was really a feeling of um you know when somebody articulates something that makes you feel less crazy and less lonely yeah I guess that's, that's a right. neat thing um and so I could understand why like specifically that song would do that because it made me feel less crazy and less lonely there i had articulated something that i was feeling in a way that i could soothe myself by by knowing that song or singing that song and so to lose that i could understand why people were 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 bummed and not you know some maybe mad at me or some whatever there were other people who were just who were just on tribal team christian mm-hmm. yeah. who are just going to you know if it was culturally okay to stone people to death, they'd be doing that. Absolutely. You know? Which we yeah. think we just think it is unbelievable. No, like, of course. like like last of course.
3: last week uh our Jay Baker episode came out and it was like, if you really think that Jay Baker is this messed up and this off, shouldn't you be loving him and yeah. speaking kind, gentle words online <laughs> instead of like calling them names and everything? Let me ask you this. Like I definitely uh I believe pretty much how you believed 10 years ago sure um but
0: i have doubts yep do you have doubts in what you currently believe oh yeah 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 that's why there's no i mean i'm I'm not interested in calling myself an atheist for a lot of reasons but i just don't feel like that is true yeah. like I, I i'm still really curious i don't know the nature of reality right you know that's so I'm I'm wanting to find out. Yeah, that's I'm,
1: a for sure a very agnostic sentiment is to not know the nature of reality, to not be able to to know if there's a God, if there is, or is there not. So I'd say that's clearly the categorical territory that you would be in. But uh, yeah. so let me ask a couple of specific questions instead of yes, putting sir? you in a category. So you obviously deny that the Bible is a literal uh, God written book in yes. that sense. Okay, and so I do deny that. Do you deny uh, yeah, but you don't deny God maybe a creator's existence?
0: Um, Potentially. Not necessarily, although it's really hard for me to um, imagine not even just like the, the minute attributes of a God mm-hmm. that was a creator given the, the, the data of the world, um, but even just like the main, you know, the grew up thinking god was um omniscient, all-knowing and all-wise, mm-hmm. all-powerful, never changing, all benevolent and those things don't work for me. They don't I I can't fundamentally jive those four things in particular or in in a lot of cases even just the main two, all omnipotent and benevolent um so it's tough for me to so I'm I, I'm constantly running the numbers. Oh okay, what if so what if God was just benevolent but not omnipotent? Would that work? And then I'm running through the, the numbers yeah. and trying to trying to think about it and saying, Okay, well given you know, just the, the nature of reality, the way that we understand it, the way that we experience it, the way that pain and death work, the way that suffering works in the world and has worked for you know, for centuries and millennia And so I I don't necessarily deny that a God exists, um, but to the degree that Christianity and the biblical tradition uh, attempts to describe God, it's at the very least uh, an incomplete Mm -hmm. view. very incomplete description yeah but wouldn't it have opinion. to
3: be i mean if if there is a god don't you think that no matter what our perspective is it's going to seem incomplete because we can't I, grasp it
0: i would think so but um i guess it's a question of degrees yeah um if i'm gonna base my whole life uh on this particular set of teachings um what amount of mystery am i right. willing to leave is it is it fully ninety five percent mystery? Right. Um, I think the answer to that is no. Right. That none of none no practicing Christian is settling for ninety five percent mystery. Right. Uh-huh. When people talk about just accept the mystery, man, they're talking about a small percentage because right. our you know our assuredness of our belief system for us to function without the cognitive dissonance that would cause us to just be drug addicts or whatever yeah. has to it's got to be a, a pretty big percentage of of assurance of certainty yeah. I agree, um, and 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 obviously faith then bridges the rest. Yeah, and that's what the, that the faith bridges the rest of the mystery. But for me, it's it's substantially more mystery than it is than yeah. it is certainty. So, but I agree that it it's not going to describe it all the way, and that knowing is a fool's errand. Right, you know, in that sense.
1: So it sounds to me like what you're saying is over time you've gone from a certainty level of degrees that might may have been in the 90s, and then at some some point point hit 49, at which point you said. Or you know, or even somewhere before that, maybe at the sixty percent mark, you said, "Well, I'm no longer going to call myself a Christian." And then at the uh-huh. forty-nine percent mark, you said, "Well, I, do, I don't even know if this stuff is has any basis in reality or not. I can't, I, therefore, I can't base a lot of stuff on it." And then right. perhaps that that degree is slipped even further. Do you think there's any uh, possibility of it going back the the direction in the future?
0: Well, in some senses, it it has, but not in the same vernacular that. Mm-hmm. Um, that would satisfy, uh, like a Christian mm-hmm. uh, believer. But as I was, um, I, as I say from time to time, you know, the biblical tradition is still—it's um, still the philosophical and ethical tradition that I'm like to mess around with. It's—it's my—it's mm-hmm. my. Uh, it's my frame of reference for for doing ethics and doing sort of any kind of metaphysical thinking Um, but to me now it seems like you know coincidentally we westerners christianity is that for us it's how we interact with these metaphysical ideas if we were born in india it would be hinduism or something else if we were born in the middle east it would be um you know islam or something like this and so that's how i view christianity and not that all uh, world religions are equally valid, and I don't know the other world religions hardly at all. I mean, for all intents and purposes, I don't know them at all. And so there are certain aspects of uh, the story of Jesus that is particularly interesting in how it subverts um, the notions at the time of power and power structures, and I think that it still works today. Kind of ironically, the... (laughs) you know, the power that the church wields and the power that that Christians crave apparently still politically and culturally and otherwise, the the picture, the stories about Jesus, true or not true, as a literary figure, they subvert all those notions that's and right. hint at a different economy. And uh, so to me, that's fascinating. And, and I'm going to continue to read those stories and dig deep into them to, to try to figure out how they connect with reality and what they mean is know? there
3: any chance uh in your mind that you would go back to i don't i don't know what we want to call it evangelical christianity and and how you were like do you think even just for money money no <laughs> i mean
2: there's no god so right <laughs> you can
3: do whatever you want right like is there a part of you that thinks that ah, would be
0: weird, but yeah, I
3: guess there's a chance
0: well, you know um. Here, here's what I think is gonna is what is gonna happen in our lifetime yeah is that evangelical Christianity uh is going to get over inerrancy yeah uh, because it's just factually false I mean it's demonstrably untrue this is my opinion I also think that it's you know any scholar any biblical scholar I mean it, it doesn't harmonize all the way that's not to say that it's not true that it's not God inspired I don't believe that it's God inspired. But inerrancy and God inspiration are not the same thing. Yeah, And so I think that evangelical Christianity is going to get its soul back when it starts taking the Bible more seriously than it does. Mm-hmm. And that is by not taking it literally and by treating it as this just awe-inspiring document that emerged organically and gradually over millennia as a record of how people are grappling with transcendence, with morality, with their, with death, uh, w- with suffering and with all these things, it's a, it's a, an enormous resource that the way that people talk about only using 10% of our brains as humans, that's how I feel about evangelical Christianity yeah. and the Bible, is it's just, we're not, it, evangelicals are not letting the Bible actually speak to them because they come to it with so many assumptions uh, about what it is, so I think that once that shift happens... There won't be that big of a difference between me and other evangelicals.
1: That speaks Christians. a lot to how important culture is. And I asked Joey this before, but like, what what would it be? What's it going to be like if you're the last Christian remaining? Because I'm just saying it is possible, and I don't even really agree with what you just said. But it is possible sure. that in our lifetime, uh, everything, all all of Christianity will be let's just say gay affirming, and that say that the scriptures are not inerrant. That is right. definitely possible. And then how how will you handle that if you were the lone Christian left? Would you think i'm the only one on earth certainly not so i mean well i think that
0: it's to me and this is you know this is my perspective about it but i think that christianity won't suffer for it that it will become more robust and actually the fruit on the christian tree will start to be what y'all are have been wanting it to be but Uh just failing to achieve for the the last century you know we look at christianity is the dominant worldview in the United States. It's yeah. shrinking. Barna, you know, talks about it. The You know, the, the, what are they? They do statistics and write about yeah, trends yeah. and things. Yeah. Um, and look at the fruit on the tree in the United States. People are mowing each other over every week with machine guns. The biggest split between wealth and poverty. I mean, the fruit on the tree, I, I won't go on and on. Everybody knows what the fruit is. It's, it's dis- disgusting. Yeah. Um, and so, to me, that's an indication of that anybody who's Christian do, should be longing for what are we? How do, do we? Do you think
1: we're at a time of a imminent like uh, revolution, like something I mean, on the lines of the
0: Reformation
1: or something like that?
0: I think so. I mean, and, and, and if you know, if you think about this, whatever this pet peeve of mine, inerrancy. If you think about a shift like that. That would historically look similar to to people getting the Bible in their own language. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I don't think that it's gonna that it's gonna be a weakened form of Christianity. I think that you hear Tim Keller talk about he is for a robust Christianity, and what he means by that is very clearly drawn lines: no gays, you know, inerrant Bible, and all that stuff. And to me, that's a that's a crippled, weakened Christianity. Mm-hmm. To me, a robust Christianity is is one that is exemplified by blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God, not just in the lines, but everywhere, just pouring out of of all these interactions that humans can have with one another. And so, so I'm, I'm, this is what I want to see as an outsider. I still won't be able to be a believer. I don't think. Yeah. Um, but it's what I long to see because I, it's because it's what I saw in my parents, even though they can't go there sort of philosophically. Yeah.
3: I mean, I think that um, the Bible doesn't necessarily need to be inerrant for it to be infallible. I mean, especially when you think about the original text being the original text, like if, if that was inspired. I mean, obviously, I don't have a problem with thinking, yeah, translators could have made little mistakes here and there. I don't even have a problem with uh, historical stuff not being perfect because it's I don't think that that necessarily infringes upon the infallibility. But the only thing that I think of what you're saying is th- the the crux of the Christian faith. If it's not, if like if the person of Jesus mm-hmm. did not exist or he did exist, but he was full of it and he's, he's not, sinless, not Christ, then the whole thing is debunked. We might as not read any of it. So, but if he, if he was here and he is right, then I don't see how everything doesn't hinge on Jesus. You know what I'm saying? I mean, so yep. that's the that's the part where, eh, yeah, it's either right. It's either all right or all wrong. And I think you would probably be on the,
0: eh, it's wrong. And I would tend to think that, well, I just don't think that it's one or the other in that way. I think that, you know, before Constantine in Rome there was a myriad of views of different people. There was Marcion and these guys who had these, there was all these competing views about what Christianity was. Mm -hmm. And they canonized the new Testament. Constantine was like, look, we got to get this together because I'm going to leverage political power and I need a unified Rome to do this. And this Mm -hmm. is how we're going to unify Rome. And so you have these structures. And I mean, we are, when we sit and read a Bible verse, we're reading it through this lens of historical trends and political manipulation, and all of these man-made structures that lead us to these conclusions of like it's either this or it's that. And I just think there's a lot more data out there about it that doesn't that doesn't subvert the basic fact of like there's this document that exists that is the collection of people's perspectives for millennia about trying to interact with god Mm -hmm. as they understood him i can't i can't see how that's not helpful but the
1: problem i have with that line of thinking in in general is it's just and i say this all the time i don't believe christianity because of the the facts or the data or even my interpretation of the data i believe it first and then uh it's supported with all these arguments that i will then make and i think it's the same for you i think you feel and you believe a way and now all the stuff about Constantine or Marciano and the other stuff is just
0: supporting data that you secondarily find. I don't think that it works that way. And I and I, I really, I guess more than anything, I hope it doesn't work that way. I think that reason precedes faith first, and then faith bridges the gap that is sort mm-hmm. of that unexplainable thing. And mm-hmm. I think that for most of us, what stands in for reason or logical evaluation of the truth claims of Christianity is the cultural ubiquity of it Mm -hmm. that like we are swimming in a swimming pool and the water is Christianity. And so it's just, it's so much easy. It's, it's, it's not, so much easier to believe; it's so difficult not to believe.
1: I have a hard time with that because, and and this super colored by my experience. But for me, I was in the pool and I did not like the water until a non logical, uh, spiritual force told me, "Hey, this water's the, the, not the the Christian cultural water is good." But you know, I, something illogical and supernatural caused me to now think and believe something that I did not want to to think. That's my I- personal experience.
0: I'm curious about that. Tell, what what do you what do you mean?
1: Um I I mean I'm a highly logical type individual so growing up in grade school and church I I was rejective of all of the you know spiritual stuff cuz it didn't make sense it wasn't scientific it wasn't logical I just and I thought everybody in where I grew up in South Carolina was uh, you know essentially dumb cuz they yep. just didn't know enough to not believe in this goofy god stuff that clearly isn't true. Sure. And so I thought once I learned enough science and stuff I would you know I wouldn't even have to even fool with that anymore and it was just inevitable and then just at some point i was you know bombarded with a spiritual saving experience where i experienced the supernatural and god verif- told me this you know all this stuff that you think's not true it's true and i said right. i said oh shit i don't want it to be i don't like it this is not what i hope for and uh but i but uh, you know yeah that so to me that's a lot more powerful than any set of data i had and i still agree that a lot of the data is goofy but that's not why i believe it
0: And so that was in like a church context, or you were on mushrooms, or like what? (laughs) And that's not a a, that's not uh, a joke or a dig. I was on. I know real guys who. Yeah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Ayahuasca. I was on ayahuasca at the time. (laughs) No, no, it was it was in a church uh, context, but it was, you know, to me, yeah. That doesn't
0: that doesn't mean that it wasn't real. I'm just curious about that, you know. And I so that goes back to that question, like what did I think? you know or how do I view myself cuz i had uh, those kind of experiences um too growing up um and you know profound and it's you know it's hard to argue uh, experience versus experience or anything and i'm certainly not that's not even what i'm doing but now i i look at those experiences and i think maybe you know, you go into it and you have this overwhelming feeling that is complete, you know, it's like, it goes all the way down. But I have a, I would have a tendency to interpret those overwhelming feelings by kind of whatever data I have in my head at mm-hmm. the time. i am You're looking for a way to contextualize that experience and you're looking for a way to make sense of it. And, you know, for me, Christianity was the way that I, that was the, the the grid that I was going to interpret any heavy-duty experience like that through. Well, then you're
3: proving Matt's point, aren't you? As far as him saying you kind of have your mind set on something and so that all filters through your belief. That's how you used to filter it. Now you filter it a different way.
0: Well, you know the the experiences I had before college. It wasn't until I got to college that I really started examining yeah. my faith to begin with. So yeah, when you're a kid, you, you just think what you think. You're not. There's no reason for it necessarily. Right. Well, there is. The reason is is because your parents said that this is what the right. truth is, mm-hmm. and and you just believe what they tell you to believe, or you feel uneasy about it and you push back on it, like Matt, like Matt was saying. But when you do have a transcendent experience you are trying to contextualize it the best. Yeah. You're not just going to be like, oh, I wonder what that was. I have, I'll never know. And then you just keep on moving. You're trying to like hold on to it and figure out what does this mean? What am I supposed to do now? Right. And so I think that that's an extremely valid thing to think, Matt, and the, the, the a way to interpret it. But also I think that it's not maybe the best way to to just leave it at that because – our perspectives about things and our, our collection of our data set changes over time. So the next time you have a transcendent experience, if 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 we're, any of us are lucky to have one of those again, um, you're going to come to, the conclusions will probably be tweaked a little bit. That's true. You I know what that. I'm saying?
1: And you know, and honestly, all the stuff you're saying and and uh, the other arguments, so that stuff does in a way terrify me, like... Uh, you know, I've seen people get spiritual experiences wrong for sure. I've sure. seen I've seen that right. happen. So I don't think I'm wrong about the the number that I can count on probably one or two hands. But I don't think I'm wrong about them. But I've seen other people be you know gravely wrong about what they were into. Yeah, Dave, when
2: you when you were a Christian, did you have like serious spiritual moments where you were like oh i'm in the presence of god or the holy spirit's moving and i mean without a doubt and then how do you feel about that now do you think that was just a limited knowledge that you had or
0: well you know i, I was interpreting those feelings the best way that i know that i knew how and i still don't know what to make of them yeah. um
2: you don't have them anymore
0: uh i won't say that but it's not the same the the object of the i do have um i mean there is there there is some some transcendence and i don't yeah. i don't know what it is but this notion of like it can be as simple as just realizing how connected everything is or how silly the divisions between us and the other really is and when you start to whatever the other is that we've created right. for ourselves in your guys's case black people or something <laughs> like that. <this. laughs> <laughs> i'm just kidding um, <laughs> design. touche
3: um, so but, when you look at when you look at us uh you know like to- toby's toby here let Matt, not finish his point oh i'm sorry oh no, Call no, us I'm,
0: racist. <laughs> no, but there is something so and i i forget what it was now i'm, I'm sorry. Sorry. sorry no 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 sorry
3: um so when Matt and Toby said they look at you as kind of uh, smarter and, oh, crap, what if he's ahead of the game here? Do you look at us and you're like, think, they're just not looking deep enough. They're just taking what they're hearing. They're not searching for themselves, and they'll figure it out one like, day, or if not, they're not looking hard So enough. if there's a Vegas bet on this and you, you have to place a bet of 100 bucks,
0: do you think we land where you are in the future? I'd, I'd, I don't think so. Um But what I do, I do think that you guys will be, so first of all, there's just not anything to be afraid of is I agree with if we get to, that was my thinking when I start. So when I started sliding as people would say backsliding or whatever, I realized, okay, there are these basic premises of my belief system, the, you know, inerrancy of the Bible, hell, original sin, even down to the existence of God that I realized I've never examined these things. I've just always taken him for granted, and if I'm going to be serious about my system, it seems like that's something that I should do. Yeah. And so I went off on that journey, and I was really I was worried about it because um, on one la- on one hand it seemed like this is the responsible thing to do. On the other hand, it seemed like these are doubts that I'm having that I'm probing. But my thought was, that God is God. No amount of probing is going to dethrone God. Okay. Well, this clearly leads me
1: into my theory that joey asked <laughs> about before so yeah, i, t- I kind of
2: informed him a little bit about it but yeah lay it on him man. all right so my my <laughs> about to make Dave Bazan a christian <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> we're about to have a revival it's up in here a, it's in
2: a podcast is intervention a, no not that's
3: study. not what this
1: theory is exactly but i would say uh that this is my logical conclusion based on all the data and what i've gathered so far hey in th- can in you this communicate
3: can you communicate this theory uh, using all of the titles of his albums. No, I cannot. So first, <laughs> cannot so, so the control. Speaking of which is your favorite album, you've ever? <laughs> <laughs> so we know that winners never quit. Um, so, all right, go ahead, All right, Matt. Matt, lay it on him. All
1: right, so, and I would base this off, essentially this theory solidified for me <laughs> upon examining Curse Your Branches a couple of times. Uh-huh. Um, so at that point, I consider, I, I assume that you were writing from a non-Christian point of view, Yet, mm-hmm. yet still completely immersed and obsessed with God and that those notions. So that's either completely yep. artistic. But I don't Dece- believe that it is an artistic decision. I think it's very clear that it's uh, where you wrestle right now. And I think it's amazing how you, yep. even from the other side of the coin from us, uh, are still open into question and thinking about things. And you don't feel like you have to have everything figured out and be super strong in a stance way about it. So I feel like, I think you actually are an extremely conservative, uh, evangelical, Bible-believing person, so much so that you are in the strong, uh, even hyper-Calvinist camp to the de- <laughs> To He's the smiling degree right that now, you man. don't really even, you believe that if there is a God and you had those spiritual experiences and you were saved, that nothing, nothing you ever can do can eliminate that salvation, in which case you're either screw you, God, because you're not real, or you know, logically, that if there is a God, from your hyper-Calvinist Dave Bazan point of view, you know you're in good shape, and you can live the whole rest <laughs> of your life in this, which I don't understand why you would, but, uh, you know, against god in a prodigal son kind of way maybe to return at the last minute but maybe not even and i still think you you know that you'll be in heaven as a result of your hyper calvinist view so you're safe to explore all this territory in freedom which i think is you know it's, it's an out there idea but i think you i think you've you know you don't want to be a part of what you see is wrong with christian culture and you're fine with all christians uh counting you as a loss because you may not be lost after all
2: you're busted. You just got busted, David. So yeah,
3: I, yeah lead you, us in you prayer. You nailed bro. it. You outed
0: me right on, on the So I, I still podcast. count you.
2: Matt's been waiting to say that for years. <laughs> you heard how excited he was. He it, it didn't
0: even breathe. I during. still count so you, on you on our team. There's a sense in which par, part of what you're saying is true, <laughs> and that is that I do feel the freedom to explore these notions without the penalty of so, – I mean, so what we're talking about here, we're, you, we're still talking about heaven and hell. And that there's a penalty for having wrong belief, and that mm-hmm. is eternal damnation. Um, and that, to the degree that I believe in God, uh, or, or maybe a better way to put it is the you know the last year or so of what what we would all maybe describe as a, a more orthodox faith in God, hell was just off the table. Um, it the the biblical doctrine of hell is, was very dubious to me. And then when I just looked at it in terms of just examining what I know about people, what I hope about God, what I know about the nature of the complexity of creation. So what I thought was so the same guy that made up photosynthesis or the, you know, human endocrine system took a break from that and made this blunt object of cosmic violence to persuade all of us to believe that this thing is true. And it just was self-evidently absurd to me when I started, when I really thought about it outside of the, I know my parents think this, I know that people interpret the Bible this certain way, but it just hit me like a ton of bricks. And so that was all the freedom that I needed to really pursue truth was I'm not scared of stepping over that line because if I do, I'm going to burn in hell for all eternity. And to me, even just that sense of you guys, I heard you guys talk about freedom with the X3 thing. And I mean, that is a thing to me, the freedom that I felt for the first time in my life to be honest and truthful and to think what I actually think and not hide from myself and hide from my own thoughts was a glorious thing. And uh, ironically, uh, not until then did I have the peace that passes all understanding the way that I hoped to when I was younger um and so well, God works all things, but that's right and mysterious <laughs> and so maybe maybe the reality will be that the, you know at, at lunch these guys are saying, you know you're gonna get up to heaven and God's gonna be like, what were you doing, man? like you're obviously coming in here, but and I don't think that I wouldn't I wouldn't uh, uh you know sin so that grace may abound as mm-hmm. as Paul says. That's not. I'm not interested in doing that. I want to know the truth, uh, and what what resonates with me is as, as the truth. Um, and so, and to finish answering you guys' questions, there's not anything to be afraid of. But I I would guess that you, if if I had a Vegas bet, in twenty years, I would guess that you guys are still going to be believing Christians, but that inerrancy will not be a a thing that mm-hmm. you're concerned with anymore and that that the bible will be redeemed to you in a way that it currently is not and to me that's just a cultural that's just a cultural artifact that's just going to fall one of these days because you know none of us grew up knowing where the bible came from it wasn't an issue we just god said it i believe it that settles it and there's so that's such a loaded proposition that we're coming to, a, in this postmodern context, and Christianity is slow to get there, but part of our church, our kids' church upbringing, not my kids, but your kids, or their kids will be understanding the history of the Bible, understanding yeah. where, where, when was the, the 39 Old Testament books canonized? When did that happen? Well, as it turns out, it was in, it was 50, 60 years at the earliest after Jesus you know, was on the earth. Yeah, that's interesting. It puts Jesus' discussion of the scriptures, so-called, in a in an interesting context. Some of the scriptures that Jesus quotes aren't even in the Old Testament canon. And to me, that's a really interesting tidbit that shouldn't threaten.
1: Well, I think that's one of, of the the most areas that we agree basic. is the freedom. I, I think uh, it's almost like you're saying that the freedom your freedom you had in Christ allows you to explore to the degree where you no longer believed in Christ, which is funny but I I kind of respect that in a way and I think right on the other side of the line is you I think I believe a hundred percent uh I don't have a hundred percent of you know certainty of stuff but I I definitely believe what I believe but I also feel totally free and not afraid of anything I may find out you know I think that that would be a a bad place to be in Christianity is uh you can't pursue truth because it's dangerous like that I don't agree with that and you don't either uh we just happen to be on different sides of the uh you know of what that's conclusions right. we've come to, yeah.
0: Well, and to me, I don't think that you can actually harm the transcendent truth or reality. I think that what we have access to, to sort of doing away with, or questioning, or poking at, are human institutions that are okay. trying to quantify that stuff. And so that's all we're talking about. We all we don't agree about which human institutions are the are the most descriptive or the most connected with. You know, uh, transcendent reality or whatever, um, but that's at the very most that's all we're talking about because we're just hoping that they yeah. do correspond. Well, let me just say,
1: we, we we as at Bad Christian really really wish more Christians were like Dave Bazan. We do we do think they should be more like you in your uh, openness, willing to share. Uh, stuff and explore truth no matter where it would lead. We don't think anything will ever would be lost by that, and I think it's something that's missing in Christian culture a lot. So, thank you for helping us uh, get down that path a little bit. Uh, I have I saw an interview with you. Uh, a little while ago, mm-hmm. I don't know what it was from, but it, it was it was something that I've always tried to say, and you said it really clearly. I want to ask you if you could say it again to our audience. But it, it was something about credibility and how that's bad and why you shouldn't want credibility. Do you know and what I'm so talking you said about? You shouldn't
0: want credibility because it's something you use
1: against people or something like that.
0: Yeah, that, that there is a credibility and a fidelity that comes from from being around people and loving people and knowing you know people knowing that they can count on you and when they when they Mm -hmm. when they need you you know like your your kids or your your spouse or your good friends but it's the it's the kind of credibility in the community that uh in argument and uh it's the um, it's
1: this idea that your resume and your qualifications and how good you are gives you say over other people which i think is what you called that credibility
0: yeah, that's right. That's right. And the idea of reputation, reputation sort of yeah, yeah. being being a really big a big deal. Um, like a sinless you know,
1: mega pastor, for instance.
0: Sure. Like I mean, you're talking about you. I'm I'm guessing. <laughs> <laughs> um, no. So yeah, that it just dawned on me that like, what? Why not try to? Why not try to? Just be loving to people and let that be a sort of, um, you know, that be your calling card that if if your credibility is anything that people know that they can i guess t- that you're trustworthy not that you're perfect or you're sinless here's here's what it is here's where it came from is um our daughter you know uh we just told her look everybody makes mistakes so don't pretend like you don't 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 even try but mm-hmm. the only way that you're going to be able to if you make a mistake that you don't want to make again, there's only one way to avoid it, and that is hold that up high. Right. You have to hold that mistake up, show it to people. The people that are around you that that love you, they should be aware of all your little mistakes if you want to get better. If you don't do whatever you do whatever. Yeah, hide it. If there. you're hide it if you don't want to get better hide it and you'll you'll continue to do that mistake over and over and over again and so to me that's the credibility that i'm talking about is that people think that there's a credibility and like no i don't make mistakes and that's just false so you know hold your mistakes up and and then you have a hope of of not repeating them yeah that's 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 one of the largest
1: things we battle you know specifically here is uh, we're fine with, or we would like to be more fine with making ourselves look bad and stupid and wrong, and we think that's the, the the good thing to do, and what's lacking, that's one of the most severely lacking things in Christian culture is, you know, worshiping other people because how, how good they do, and then, therefore, we can right. only listen to those people.
0: I think that's right, and and just, I've just listened to one episode of you guys' show uh, before today, and that was the guy, the one with Pastor Dan and maybe Brett, the Brett Battles, yeah. The, yeah. the gay Christian guy. Yeah. Uh as you guys described upon on the show, yeah. um, and I felt that with with you guys that there's a it's it's a curious thing that you guys are doing because you clearly have listenership that is so, some of which are probably pretty uptight. Uh, yeah. And yet you're able you <laughs> you you are are willing to kind of be yourselves, and and part of that is like you know when the 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 question of to be able to to. To be allowed to reserve judgment about an issue in public, I think, is one of those things that would kill your credibility in this hyper uptight modernist kind of Christian culture. But that that's something that you guys are clearly willing to do is just say, you know, I don't really know what I think about that. Or maybe I kind of think this and you're going to get, you know, shit from all sides you know about it and to me that's I guess what what I was meaning in that situation is that every a lot of the time you just got to say look I I'm ambivalent about this I really don't know and so I'm just going to kind of continue to you know and other people are like I know being gay is is wrong or being gay is you know being being anti-gay is wrong or you know whatever well you're uncertain
1: about it well
3: guess what I'm certain so listen to me yeah there you go You know, uh, the only only other theological thing, uh, it's not anything other, the only other point that I want to make, because uh, I'm curious what you think is, I like, to me, there are some factual things that I just think it would be a miracle if it wasn't factual. For example, Jesus... His resurrection, to, I just it would be mind-boggling because I I have researched from a very skeptical standpoint, so mm-hmm. it's not like sure up until my early twenties it was just mom and dad said this, so did right, the pastor right. this is what I believe. But I I went through a long period of time. I said still go through periods of times where I doubt I have to search stuff. More. So it's just like I don't see how Jesus claiming to be God and he talked about law prophets. It wasn't just. Now, granted, it, it may not mean every single Old Testament book, but uh, most
0: of them, you know what I'm saying, was what sure. he was reading. So, and that um, was a part of the tradition that, right. that has carried on.
3: Right. Paul's conversion, yep. I mean, to me, that's one of those things to where if if it didn't happen, all people had to do was call BS on it because the stuff that he was writing, that's uh, pretty much validated. It was written back in that. So there's just so many things to where, sure, I can't say, I can't prove that it's fact, but it would be way harder for me to be like, oh, yeah, that was not true than for me just to be like, nah, yeah, it seems like this stuff really did happen. And for this stuff to happen for a dude that went from killing Christians to being completely 100 percent the opposite. I mean, I'll be honest. Paul's conversion is one of the biggest Pretty big building blocks in my faith. I'm like, yeah. holy, that's like Osama bin Laden. <laughs> yeah. You know, all of a sudden saying, OK, yeah, I'm in. I'm, I'm with you guys. But. I would say even for me, it's uh, –
2: because I think the, uh, a lot of things you say are compelling, and uh, it really is thought-provoking. And I would say for me, at the end of the day, I go, there just has to be something better than me, right? Like, I, I, And I was going to ask you a question, too. What, what is it like touring all over America by yourself? Is uh-huh. that, does that get dark? I, I feel like – because I've done some cross-country trips, like moving and stuff – because I, I know you have kids. I have kids as well. And, like, so we've move, would moved in the last few years several times and just drove across the country just by myself. Yeah. And when it's just me, it, it feels uh, not the best or something yeah. like that. And I, I was going to ask you that. Like, what is that like just, like, in your van for three or four hours and it's just Dave? What I mean, does it ever get dark or is it pretty happy? Or what, what, how do you spend your time there?
0: It goes up and down. I mean, it gets a little tense sometimes. Yeah. Um, like I said, you know, I, I, don't always like myself the most There, they're kind of entrenched patterns and habits in my life that, uh, I'd really like to overturn and I feel a little, a little, uh, under it, you know, or like yeah. it's possible, but it takes a lot more energy than I feel like I have at the current moment to like really affect change in, in that yeah. way. Like, you know, losing weight or, you know, getting some better like work habits or, um, you know, I have a pretty addictive personality. So little things like, you know, it used to be battling drinking. Now it's not. Now it's battling, um, you know, serial television. Like last night I watched four episodes of Twin Peaks before I went to bed. (laughs) I meant to watch two and I just literally couldn't stop. I mean, I probably could have if I tried harder, but that's you know, what is it like, hey, I'm
2: just here by myself. And yeah. I'm, you know. well, I'm, I'm glad these... you could
0: listen to bad Christian moderation,
3: man. That's awesome. <laughs>
0: because... <laughs> I like, to, you know, I'm going to talk to these on at at 1245 or whatever. I can just get up at 1030. Um, and so, so the, I mean, so yeah, there are bad, I mean, there's like battles, you know, yeah. internal battles and internal things that i but I also welcome the, that and the time to just like, you know, self-knowledge and, it it's, it's really a really big deal to me because I've hurt a lot of my friends over the years by not knowing myself and not knowing what I was really wanting or really after in a particular endeavor, like in the band situation or something like this, or with my wife. Um, and so to me, that, that time of self-examination is really important, as painful as it can be, or as sort of tense as it, as it can be. So there are ups and downs. I listen to podcasts. Um, I listen to audiobooks listen to records you know records you, so still you, turn you me on
2: last night you're a huge music music fan still yeah even after doing music for a living you don't you, you still have a, just a you're obsessed with it
0: oh it's yeah it's amazing i mean it's an amazing thing like the good the you know good r- music that i've that moves me there it there's no there's nothing else that excites me that way yeah. you now F- i like films and movies or whatever See, I, I wish i
2: was like that matt and i uh, have i don't listen to much music i never it really, listen to music it, it, yeah almost I, i'm exclusively if i'm in the car riding to work or whatever even on you know when we're on the road touring it's all podcasts or just ideas people telling me stuff i'm trying to consume that it's almost because i actually believe like podcasting and uh people sharing ideas is very artistic to me absolutely like, you know, just, even this right now and this in this setting, is just raw. It's very raw, mm-hmm. and you can make mistakes, and you can say things that you know you might not, like you said, might not believe five years from now or something like that. But uh, it, anyway, uh, getting back to, I was going to ask you this question earlier. Like you, you've known your wife for so long. I think you said you've been married fifteen years and known your wife for nineteen. Yep, uh, is she I've is known very, her for
0: twenty three, but we've been dating for nineteen. Solid marriage, are all in the rocks. Well, you know, it goes, <laughs> it goes up and down. I'm just
2: kidding. Is she is she a Christian, or did you talk her out of it?
0: No, you know, it's funny. You lead her to hell, not in the sense. So she just has a different relationship with the world of ideas and philosophy and faith. She doesn't think about. But I I will be kept up at night by crunching ideas and conflict of ideas that I'm trying to like figure out. Yeah, I'll lie in bed and just like. I can't let it go. Yeah. It's important to me. And it's not that it's important to me, it's just I have like a slightly obsessive tendency toward these things, and ideas really matter to me. She doesn't, her brain doesn't work that way. (laughs) She gets up early and works hard all day, and there doesn't need to be a reason for it. That's just what she's wired to do. Yeah. Um, And so, when in the, in 1998, when, you know, I grew up Pentecostal, ended up at, like, a Chuck Smith uh, Calvary Chapel church uh, after her and I left the Pentecostal church, the Age, uh, Assemblies of God church together, when right after I graduated high school. And so we went to this other church for a couple years, and then I went and played at this Presbyterian church. You know, grew up Arminian, you know, uh, free will, whatever. Yeah uh but had just sort of started to really contemplate the aspects of the bible that talked about god's sovereignty a little bit more mm-hmm. kind of a little bit more of the calvinist perspective and it flipped my i mean it it rocked me deeply cuz that was an idea that just i had i had never considered valid uh but i started reading basically it was just reading through Romans for about the third time and starting to you know be able to track with all the ideas and getting to Romans yeah. seven and eight and then yeah. Romans nine boom like a ton of bricks um and so there was a church that I went and played I went and did like special music there or whatever and I played secret of the easy yoke and uh the it was a church that I loved i he his view was that the gospel is on every page of the Bible and that our job is to Encapsulate the gospel in any way that we know how five or six times during the service through singing, through touch, through taste, through smell, like a very a very sense, sort of like an old Catholic Anglican notion of yeah. of the thing. So we'd take communion every week, and I was way into it. And I said, Babe, I'm going to go on tour. It was this first tour that uh, it well the you saw me on my first national tour, open for Joy Electric. No. Or you, you were saying yeah. you guys and um, but uh, this was the tour that I did in '98 with Gerardo, and it was after "It's Hard to Find a Friend" came out, and um, we were at that, and Charleston did yeah, came back. uh, and so, and I said, Babe, I like this church. While I'm gone on tour, would you please visit this church a couple times and see if you're into it? We were just dating at the at that point, and if you're not into it, I, I understand. I, I'm not saying we gotta we gotta switch over, but this, the, I'm like. This is what I've been looking for, you know. She was like, okay, whatever. So we started going there, and we got married, and we were going there. That that pastor married us. Uh, and uh, I was just way into it. And, and, she, and I was really turned on and really engaged and both sort of in a community sense and in a, like a theological sense. And she was feeling alienated because she was not – she was – she was not only not turned on by it, but she just thought it was annoying and didn't like it. And she was like, "I don't, I don't want to go anymore." And I was like, babe, you're a grown up. Like you can do whatever you want. You know, you don't have to go just because I'm going." And she was like, "Okay." And so she would stay home a bunch more than not. Um, and then we moved out to the country, and I stopped going, and we both didn't go together for a couple of years until she got pregnant and then she really wanted to start going back to church again. Yeah. And I said, "Okay, well, if that's because this crazy thing that's happening inside your body is making you curious about and wanting to connect with this transcendence, you know, that that we think of as God or whatever, great. I'm down. If it's just the only way you know how to do family, I'm going to push back on that a little bit." And she said, "Fine, I'll examine my thoughts and feelings about it but get in the car we're we got to leave in a half an hour to go to <laughs> and i was like okay whatever and so that started a little dance where for the next uh i guess probably four and a half five years we kind of experimented going to church together sometimes her on her own sometimes she preferred it that way because we'd get in the car and i always wanted to talk about it and she was like dude i don't want to talk about it i just want you to sit there and be nice And then we'll go to lunch (laughs) and, uh, but I couldn't do it. I'm sitting there crunching the numbers every moment. It's like high stakes to me. So, um, eventually, you know, during that process, uh, was when it just, it, it really hit me and kind of broke my heart ultimately, um, that I wasn't, uh, Christian and, um, So she saw that kind of happen and was gracious to me about it and understood what a what a big deal it was and um, so she just didn't insist. She kind of went back and forth and was like, "I want you to come." And I just said, "Hey, look, I'll do whichever you want me to do." And it's not it won't be easy for me, but I'll try my best to do it how you want me to do it. You know, like if I'm going to come, it's going to be for you, and so I'll just sit and just you know i will probably end up taking notes or or be you know mulling stuff over but i just won't make a big deal out of it or whatever and so she was like okay cool um and, but then eventually she was just like you know it's fine if you don't come and so then she would go on her own for a little bit but then once our son was born um she just hasn't been back um and so i think that that 5 years was her kind of figuring out what her relationship with with it was and i think that she probably if you ask her um still tends to believe all of the the basic christian creeds and doctrines um but also as it turns out it probably doesn't cross her mind ever one time i mean yeah. she just naturally doesn't gravitate toward thinking about metaphysical things or or whatever yeah so there's no real conflict We are in harmony in that she is, she's, I think she's grateful that our kids have a little bit of a, of a, like a safe zone that they're, you know, we're surrounded by Christians in our, in our family. And there's a lot of people bombarding um, uh, her and him, uh, my daughter and son with uh, sort of Christian stuff. You know, we've got all the Veggie Tales DVDs that are have been given to us as gifts from other people, subscriptions to the Focus on the Family Kids Clubhouse magazine, whatever it's called. Um, and we don't you know, we don't make a big deal out of it either way. It's just like, yeah, if you want to watch Veggie Tales, I'll just go upstairs. I like, g I don't dig that show or whatever. Are you um, kidding me? Talking
3: vegetables you don't it's like. It's so annoying to me. I don't know. I mean whatever. <laughs> <Annoying>. <laughs> um <laughs>
0: It's too random for me. I don't, I don't, um, but anyways, uh, and so now, you know, it's funny because one of the, one of the things that got leveled at me, uh, more often than not is just like, you're a bad dad, you're a bad husband, like you're not being a spiritual leader. And it's like, well, yes, actually I am being a spiritual leader. My feeling was that I'm guarding my kids against the madness, uh, of, the brainwashing that i kind of grew up with or that's not exactly how i would say it but that they're that they're not going to be indoctrinated at three years old with these bible stories and to me that was a value that i felt like i was providing and so maybe i was a leader in the other direction or whatever but there isn't a lot of conflict between her and i um about that uh so every now and again, she'll get a little sensitive. Um, like there was one of those knuckleheads who was predicting that Jesus was coming back last yeah. year, year yeah. or two ago.
3: That's Toby's great uncle. Go ahead. Yeah, thank you. Go ahead. Was it really? No. Oh.
0: <laughs> <laughs> wow, <Interesting>. Mr. Gullible. <laughs> no. Seattle liberal over here. <laughs> oh, you all sound the same. I, believe me I don't that. know. And uh, I was just making fun of that guy, which is not the same thing as making fun of Christianity. And she was like, "You know what? Could you just lay off for just like a little
4: bit?" And I was like, y-
0: "Yeah, I'm so sorry. I didn't. Re- I didn't. I did not realize Jesus. that this was a sensitive issue. And I was trying to respond without make- making further fun, you know. But that's just crazy. So." <laughs> Most people sold all their land and shit. I know. I mean, what do they <laughs> do? Why
2: would do? they do that? If they <laughs> thought Jesus
3: was going why would they sell their land?
2: People are crazy. I mean, that's that's what I think we are, <laughs> too.
0: So. Hey, Dave, you're, are you independent musically? Uh, in terms of, uh, I'm still on Barsook Records in Seattle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, they're a, a record label yeah, that's yeah. been there for a long time.
1: That's cool. I, I was just curious if you did your stuff
0: independent now or are still with Barsook? Um, the All of this Bazon Monthly 7-inch stuff, um, they've allowed us to do this all this stuff on our own. That's and great. And I've got, I'm contracted for one more record on Barsouk. But, yeah, so that and the strings record and all, all that stuff, we're putting that out ourselves.
2: Oh, that's awesome. Um, So let's
1: tell yeah, at well, least – Well, a,
2: hey, well, why don't we let Dave plug his monthly thing for yeah. sure. Cause, yeah, plug yeah, it, baby. All, all the stuff that's going on with you. I, I, I didn't even know about that until the show last night. Right on. So what? tell me a little bit more about it because I didn't even know it.
0: Um, so we started doing a thing, uh, just f- six days ago or whatever. This is later now, but, um, called Bazon monthly. And it's just on the first of every month, I'm going to put out two new songs, mm-hmm. uh, except for December and June. So it's basically five months on one month off. And internally we're kind of committed to doing three, five month volumes of it. So until the end of next year, but I'll probably just keep doing it, uh, after that, um, if uh if it goes okay so yeah so if you're interested in that it's uh Um that's a great idea know. bless you brother <laughs> thanks um <laughs> the
1: only story i wanted to ask about is i would i would love to hear from your point of view about the time that you got kicked out of cornerstone for drinking vodka out
3: of a milk <laughs> Oh, that's exactly what <laughs> i wanted to that's talk about that's the only about. one i wanted to hear
0: a story of yeah that well, would bless us if
3: you tell us that uh
0: that was in my you know my really heavy drinking days. Mm-hmm. Um, and they've kind of ebbed and, f- you know, uh, <laughs> it's kind of waxed and waned, I guess, since then into now just not not much of a drinker, although I still like it. Um, but so at, at, we were on a tour, like a Pedro the Lion tour. We were out with John Vanderslice, and one of the tour dates was playing this festival. So we had a day, a uh, Cornerstone festival. We had a day before off or that i forget what it was. oh we were playing in des moines or we had the night off whatever but so we rolled in and checked into our hotel in macomb and started drinking at noon um that day that's and the only I th- thing to do there yeah, right yeah and i and uh our set was at midnight i think or 11 <laughs> <laughs> That's rough. yeah it was pretty dark so you know I we roll into the festival and I'm driving. This is, this is all bad. I mean, this is all really, really bad. And I think that it's, it's a, uh, it reveals a certain amount of disrespect. So this was the year or so before I kind of stopped believing. So there was probably a subconscious turmoil that I was just acting badly in in some ways, um, not in every way, but. In this way, I certainly was. So, you know, I I was loaded, totally loaded. Drove from Macomb to the festival grounds dr- drunk, totally drunk. Drinking and drunk. I was drinking a, out of a bottle of wine on the way there, and I rolled in with the bottle of wine between my legs uh, <laughs> as we were getting our wristbands or whatever. And no drinking on the grounds. Right. It's one of their rules, yeah. and I think it's a fine rule oh. um, that I was – Disregarding and being really disrespectful of. Um, and so finished that bottle of wine and and before I got out of the, the, the van there. And my plan was is I had a gallon jug of like a water jug that I had, you know, drank a third of the water. And it was a third vodka or some combination. I don't know. A lot of vodka, a lot of water in that jug. And I was just rolling around drinking out of a gallon jug of quote unquote water is what – i meant it to appear like so before my set i had a couple of interviews to do and one of them was was with this guy andrew bojan who was writing a piece for the washington post um and was just he was just writing a piece about the festival in, in general um and i was just one of the few people that he was interviewing uh he later went on to expand this piece into a book called body piercing saved my life which is a really good read um Except I'm a little embarrassed because I'm in it, a, a you know, a little bit and it makes me feel uh, embarrassed or something. But regardless, so he, I'm clearly drunk and obviously to this man of the world drinking as I'm doing the interview and drinking on the grounds. And so naturally he wrote about that in his Washington Post piece. That's how it came out. Mm-hmm. I don't think it would have been it would have been something that not a lot of people knew about yeah uh, except for that which is fine i'm I, in that way of holding your mistakes up i was i was pretty glad to be outed ultimately yeah. uh, for that um and then we went and played our show and i don't remember a ton of the show um the next day i was lamenting to our bass player i, I was i was late getting to the stage cuz i was just standing out back smoking cigarettes Talking to people just totally out of my head, and Walsh comes up. He's there looking for me. Where yet? We're supposed to start ten minutes ago, or we're supposed to start right now, and we hadn't even set up our gear yet. And uh, he saw me smoking a cigarette, which meant that I was ten plus drinks in. <laughs> you know, in in any <laughs> circumstance, if they saw me smoking, it's like okay, it's yeah. time to get Bazan to bed. Like right. it's, this is over because I don't smoke. Um, and uh, so we we play our set, and the next morning. I knew we had gotten our set cut short, and I told the bass player, I was like, man, I really wish we would have gotten to play bands with managers. I really like that song. And he was like, oh, we did. We definitely played that song. And I was like, we did? And he was like, yeah. Um, and I said, did we we played the bridge? Did I screw up the bridge? And he was like, no, you played it fine. You know, my muscle memory was just intact. So I think people were waiting that night to see if I was going to say – Uh, the fuck word in that in uh foregone conclusions i couldn't tell you if i did or didn't (laughs) Um, i was just trying to stay vertical i was having a really hard time i did that thing where i'm I'm weaving around and i cracked my teeth into the microphone a couple of times just because i didn't know where it was yeah because i was just totally loaded um so sorry for anybody that saw that show and didn't have a good time I I had not ensured that I was going to be at my best because I was, I was just drunk. So you did you
1: didn't get caught at the festival.
0: No, it was later. Yeah. That uh that it came out and um because I know some of those guys um you know Johnny Heron who who ran that that thing, his son JD is a buddy of mine and I think I, we just kind of got wind that they were bummed, you know. Yeah, man. I'm sure. And uh and rightly so. That was not cool and then years later they took it out on all the other bands by not paying them is
2: that right <laughs> Uh oh. because of you drinking they stopped paying bands yeah that's why the, the festival they... went away it's because it went away that it one you. time yeah it's basically because oh, ah drank and they i feel <laughs> so bad now <laughs> they stopped paying bands and quit the festival
0: <laughs> but about you know by about 2000 so that was in 2004 in 2007 i think they it was the first time that they asked me to start they started asking me if i wanted to play again or putting their yeah. feelers out yeah and in 07 and 08 I was too too defensive and too weirded out, or just too uncomfortable to say yes yeah. and then 2009 rolled around they asked me to play and I said yeah let's do it and uh, cool. that was a good experience so it took me a while to even get comfortable with myself, yeah. you know, about the thing.
1: Now, what the, one of the last times that we saw you or I talked to you was at Cornerstone, Florida, but that must have been 2005 or something, right?
0: Yeah, I did. Uh, we did play a couple of Cornerstone, Florida's in the meantime. Yeah. Um, and that was the one where I was probably there. Uh, we were getting ready to do a headphones tour, I believe. Um and maybe Lidlens lens played drums at that one i'm not sure
1: i think it uh, might have been that yeah and then w- the john Vanderslice tour we played at new brooklyn if uh, in front of you that you were the late yeah. show we were the
0: early show oh so that was in 2004 i i that had was gotten that around wrong. That time. Yeah, yeah 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 so that was on that same tour okay uh that i did that that i uh, debauched uh at cornerstone yeah um yeah well, I want to personally say thank
2: you so much. I, I, can't I can't believe, honestly, every time we've ever met you, and it's really funny. I'm sure you don't remember all this, but like I, I can remember us meeting you, and then the next time you actually said Matt and Devin's name. Uh, we uh, Devin's another singer in Emory for a while, and uh, you actually like, oh yeah, Matt, and you Devin. I was like, how can you do? And, and it's just it's funny like how personable and friendly you are, and I mean also just totally on a road to hell right <laughs> and so rep- <laughs> reprobate mind so and like, a nice guy the it's nicest like person i've ever met
3: straight like all the way to hell as fast <laughs> as you can get so, so according uh, to you he's going to spend eternity with jay baker right? yeah i mean That's you and jay right. baker are just gonna be like <laughs> we'll be bed
0: we'll be bedmates down there <laughs> <laughs> we'll both be gay in hell yeah <laughs> Because <laughs> they all accept us there. Hey, um,
3: I forget what you said about headphones last night. Mm-hmm. Uh, as far as what you... I, I highly recommend that you put it out as Dave Bazan or Pedro. That album is unreal. Like, Thank you. It's got to be put out... I th- I mean, would you consider putting it out as Dave Bazan? And then maybe a subtitle, release, I mean, re-release of headphones? Because, I mean, let's face it. If someone sees... Dave Bazan on iTunes, a lot of people are gonna be like, Oh, I'm getting that. That's new.
0: They see headphones, they have no idea. They don't know. Yeah, we that that was just a miscalculation on our part years ago. If you're in a band uh, or going under a brand name that you that that you have control over, don't ever yeah, these guys yeah. did it with, with Matt it. and Toby. You wouldn't y'all prefer to release it, in Emory? No, because
1: the the po- point of that is Matt. That's why we chose Matt and Toby as a name, just so that that way you will know who it is. So you can gotcha. market it to Emory that's fans, true. and they know who it is. Now they they might not. It, it doesn't carry all the premium that Emory does, but at least if we want to make an electronic thing like headphones or right. or death metal, we can put it under Matt and Toby because that's us. So that's it's not pretty ti- cool. It's not tied to our sa- sound necessarily. It's tied to our personalities.
3: Yeah. You and it Rosie just, Thomas talk? Are y'all friends? Yeah. Is she a Christian? I don't even really. Know. I think
0: she probably is. How about Jeremy Innick? Do you guys talk? I don't know. You don't, you don't know him? I mean, I've m- I've met him and hung out. Like we know each other, we're acquainted, but yeah, we, we. It's been very brief. Gotcha. Yeah. We had Mark Solomon on the show, and I I, know I like he said that
3: he he's met you before.
0: Yeah. I mean, I was a huge crucified fan. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah. And the first time I met Mark. Uh, I can't remember if he was able to remember this or not, but I was in a band with Gerardo. Coolidge, right? Uh, that was called Coolidge, but before, and it, it was an earlier version of that same band that was called The Guilty, and we opened for The Crucified really, in, uh outside of Seattle. over were like, you, 18? Uh, if that. Yeah, i uh, would be really young. I was probably, yes, yeah, 17. Yeah, deep Dark you were, Secret. You played drums in that band. Right? I did. Yeah.
2: Dave, deep you Dark can sit, Secret, this Aaron is, Sprinkle
3: is, actually let toby and matt i think have a worship cd that you recorded no and aaron sprinkle gave me a cassette tape. a cassette tape yeah. yeah so
2: those are like my first songs anymore. i wish to god i still did but they were real
0: jesus but it wasn't Jesus-y. worship music per se it was yeah. like uh it was like a precursor what i do now. yeah
2: it was so interesting to listen to that tape because I, I i went home and i actually had to find a tape player to play it yeah and uh, aaron sprinkle was the one that gave it to me and uh he was like, you should check this out because he knew I was a huge fan of you. And so it was really interesting listening to it. It wasn't like, oh, this is bad or, oh, I can't believe this is, you know, that's this, this is how Pedro it got there or whatever. It was, just, it was just so surreal just listening to it going, this is crazy. This voice that I hear will be this. But it, it, this is real and that's real, I guess, is kind yeah. of like the way I felt. Uh, so. so
1: I wanted to ask you about that one last thing here. You, Dave, you said you were the drummer back then uh, on – in that in those early bands, yep. Do you consider yourself now a drummer?
0: Yeah, I do. Um, there was a time, probably not now, but I was. Uh, no, if I get a li- I mean, if I get a week or two to kind of get my chops back, mm-hmm. I was never like a real chops drummer. Yeah, but I just I like the way that my brain works, writing drum parts, mm-hmm. um, and so. Um. There was a time where I would say that I felt most comfortable on drums over any other instrument, but now I think it's songwriting and in, in all its various forms that I feel like I can express myself bet, best in that, but that's awesome yeah. and
1: a lot of people i know really really like and love your drumming and stuff like that that uh and and i know this sounds pretty arrogant i know but i'm going to say it anyway the uh-huh. uh my favorite two drummers in the world uh are first of all you because uh, I, th- I think of you as a drum composer you know cuz you, you you compose the drums and i'm sure you can play them and stuff too but primarily i think your talents are uh, other stuff And that you get to Compose this music That, that, that complements like, the, the rest of the Arrangement really well I think that's the uh-huh. Real skill that most Drummers don't have um, And my other Favorite drummer Is also on the Call today And it's me i'm not <laughs> i'm, I'm a, uh i and that's uh, awesome and i uh i compose drums for but i can't play them much at all but I, you know that's i think that's my favorite thing is the way that I, i've always been inspired by the way you compose drums to complement and go along with the arrangement regardless and you never take credit for it for it as a drummer but i do the same thing i sit down on the drum set to come up with ideas and be creative and uh, i like where my head's at there but i couldn't sit down and play you know for anybody <laughs>
0: Well, and that's a like, you know, because I grew up, I was talking about this at the show last night, I grew up playing drums in church where it was really not about the drum parts at all, it was about the songs, and really it was just about the setting and getting the feeling, right? So that there was drums, but it didn't piss off all the old ladies, mm-hmm. right. and so when you if you listen to It's Hard to Find a Friend, I was very much in that mode drumming on that record where some mildly kind of creative stuff, but it was a lot of just like playing for the song. And then uh, winners, it was a little bit of a mix. But then when I got to Control, it was like, man, that's I'm a, a drummer. Like, Why don't I just make the drums badass? Like, I oh, can right. kind of start and there. That's, that's the drums
1: on awesome. Magazine is the one everybody yep. loves. Do you get that a lot? Yeah, People tell you they love that beat?
0: Yeah, and I, I, that makes me really happy because when I, when I came up with that beat, uh, when I was demoing that song and w- when that whole section of the song, the chorus kind of started to unfold with that little keyboard line and the drums, mm-hmm mean that's one of the most ecstatic moments awesome. of writing in my life, you know.
1: That's great. That And then on the second best is awesome on that, too, the oh, way that man. feels. Thanks, we man. always try to copy that vibe.
0: Well, you know, that's me ripping off Starflyer, honestly. Uh, ending with a big outro riff like that, like mm-hmm. that's gold and silver. I mean, and they do it on Americana and uh, on other records, too. But that was like a trick that I first heard on, uh, on Starflyer 59 records. And it's my own sort of version of it but yeah
1: well it's that shifted downbeat to coming on on the beat four or whatever that makes that feel so incredible you know what i mean where it, oh, you get right. to the chord before the, the 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 one comes around that's just that makes that so great
0: thanks a lot um that that was you know that was a fun record to put together what sprinkle sprinkle mix that one huh sort of um we he we collaborated on it in the middle and he sh- he got me up and running on a lot of those mixes. But then mm-hmm. um, Cutlass... Ha- I ran out of time and Cutlass came in and were making their record during the day. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't really legal for me to... Not legal, but it wasn't really okay for me to do it. But Sprinkle gave me permission to come in at night. So those guys would get done about 9 or 10 at night and I would come in then and then work all night. So I f- would... Finish tracking and mix all night, and then when Sprinkle would come in in the morning, I'd try to steal him for like for second best. For instance, I got it w- exactly where I wanted, but I couldn't get the kick drum to sound right. I uh-huh. couldn't, I couldn't EQ it. And that was so down in the, the basement shape. at Tooth and Nail. That's right, the it, wow. over in the well in Magnolia there. Yeah. I guess.
1: yeah, and that was on that Sony console then. Yep, that yep.
0: Sony, um, what, it's the Sony Oxford, uh, yeah. the digital console. Yep, um, and so. For instance, I had got that song where I wanted it, but then I had Sprinkle come in and EQ the kick drum because I didn't know how to do it. Mm -hmm. I couldn't get it to speak how I wanted. And he took two minutes and was like, you want it to sound like this? And I was like, yeah, that's perfect. (laughs) And then that song was done, you know. So uh, he helped a lot. But he would, you know, he'd be trying to work on a mix earlier in the process, and he would go to the bathroom or turn around to do something. He's gone. And and I would take those... uh, well, I know what you mean, but in this case, uh, he would just turn around for a second, and and while he was turning around, I would take the Arvox compressor or like the 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 Bomb Factory eleven seventy six and just fucking crank the input, or like I just wanted shit to be squashed, like really destroyed, and uh, and he would come back and he would sit and listen, and he'd be like, "What is what is going on? It just changed." And so he got wise to that move. Like I just would, I just wanted stuff to be super compressed, and uh, so I was kind of not trying to sabotage him. I was just a bossy little prick or whatever. Right. You know, Jade Tree good to work
3: with. Were they a cool label? Made
0: make in In so. some ways, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're they're really good at accounting. Um, yeah. which is not uh, that common of a thing for for record right. labels. They're they're always you get your statement and your check on time, and the, um, they were also really frugal. Um, about spending spending money, yeah. So that worked out for both parties because there's an, a profit split deal, yeah. So, and, so I I can say that about them. It's really a good thing.
1: All right, well, Dave, we've enjoyed talking to you very much. I've uh, I'm I'm sad I didn't get to hang out at the show last night and have lunch with y'all, but that's all right. I'm, I'm glad I got to talk to you today.
0: Lunch wasn't that fun, so it's <laughs> <almost laughs> fine. You didn't miss it. It's really
2: funny at the show last night. Uh, it just shows my age, even though I'm the same age as you. I was sitting there, and for, I'd say, probably, probably right under half the show, I was thinking, what can I say? Should I should I make this a joke? Or what can I do? Because <laughs> I have to pee so bad. <laughs> How do I? Because I was sitting right beside you, and everybody's looking at it, I was like, I have to pee really bad. Did you bad. get up and go No, some? I never did. Oh, no. you never I, did. i, 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 I was able. So sorry. To, I was able to make it, but I was like, because you, you close your eyes when you sing. I was like, I was going to make a joke. I was thinking, I'll make a joke. Hey, you close your eyes anyway. You mind if while you're singing, I just walk around you? That would have and, been fine. Yeah, I know. I know you wouldn't have cared, but I was so. that's all I could think about. And I was like, oh, I'm really getting old where urination and finding the place to do it is of supreme importance.
0: We were talking, my, my manager and I were like, you know, we're always sitting there trying to hash out I, new ways of kind of doing this thing to, that are, see if there's a weird thing that we can come up with that would be like, oh, that would be really great. And one of the things we thought of was we'd just get a big box truck that is a tiny little venue inside And we set it up with benches or with like Mm -hmm. bleacher seating or whatever, where you could fit like forty or fifty or sixty people in the back of this truck, and and we're like, fuck yeah, that'd be amazing. And then you just, it's sort of like a flash mob thing, just like, okay, show up at this place exactly in the town. Oh, brilliant! Exactly at Walmart. Uh, But then we were just like, okay, that's great, that's gonna work. And you know, you make it towards sonically, just like really intimate and super killer. But then where the fuck are people going to go to the bathroom? And so that was – we just – We we thought of the up. same thing. We
1: were thinking we could engineer our bus to be like a uh, – because we have our own old, old bus we drive around. But we were thinking we could make it like a stage, and then we could have a meet at Walmart and do a living room show in the bus. Yeah. Because we stay in Walmart parking lots anyway, so the Walmart anyway. could be the bathroom, you know.
0: Yeah. It could. It could. That's a yeah, great that's idea. A good... Well, so to do – a bus, I guess, is the way that you do it. You just have the whole thing <laughs> – kind of emptied out and there is a, a bathroom in the yeah, bus you would have to
2: have it convertible yeah, you know true. so
1: you
3: can yeah
0: our, bath- our bus good. has a bathroom a, a
2: pier
3: yeah you, a you can't two, poop in there. there yeah well thanks for talking to us uh bible belt southern dumbass christians man i appreciate it you're welcome it's it's <laughs> my you guys are my mission field.
0: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> oh man hopefully we'll keep in touch man but if not, I think Toby and I can die happy guys that we were able to sit down with. I hope you David don't, but, <laughs> I mean
0: soon. But no, I, I'm I'm sure we'll see each other again or see each other on Twitter or whatever. Yeah,
2: and it, yeah. I mean, if we don't see each other, we'll see each other. We'll see it in that's heaven. right.
0: That's
3: right. God's grace is inescapable, man. That's I mean, right. you, he's got you, dude. There you go. <laughs> All right, that's it. All right, everybody. That is the one and only
1: Dave Bazan.
2: In studio with Joey and Toby. Thank you. Thank you, Dave. We appreciate you being here. That was awesome. I, I literally think that might have been my favorite interview so far. And not to diminish all the others because I love them so much. It's just I have liked Pedro the Lion Dave Bazan for so long. I think just that was pretty room. clear
3: in the interview, Toby. Yeah, yeah probably I don't think was. you need to reiterate anymore. You can, but I think one of the reasons why you like the interview so much is because Dave Bazan sat on your lap the whole time. Well, I
2: didn't really want the... Listeners to know that, and Dave probably didn't want to either because we kind of wanted to keep that part (laughs) private, (laughs) but it was extra- all right, since that, that, since
1: that was a long uh, interview, let's just knock out a news story right, later, or two Dave. right here, and we'll we'll be on our way. So, hey, Joey, here's what I was thinking. Why don't you help Dave out to his uh, car? You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, just, yeah. just do that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah,
2: Why don't you help him out of the car, man? Yeah. Are you we'll, serious? We'll just kind of keep doing this real quick. Yeah, yeah Toby and I'll go.
1: just get started on the news, and you know, you guys when you get back, you and do that. Him. Yeah, just help him out. Yeah. Get his, you know, if he has his guitar. Or whatever, you guys are of the band. Dave,
2: do you care if Joey helps
1: you? Yeah. Yeah, help him on out, Joey. We'll be fine okay okay bye see you.
2: alright hey Matt great save I know really
1: okay let's get into the news here. finally Ready to do it
2: yes finally news I'm going news. to do the news no interruptions no Joey hey guys I'm helping
1: Dave design okay right on Joey have All a good right, time buddy. buddy yeah go, go help him alright let's do it news with Toby
2: welcome this is news with Toby and I'm Toby I'll be giving you your news tonight.
3: Love it.
2: Alright, here we go, man. I got some killer stuff here.
3: Okay. Hey guys, Dave does not have to come back and use the bathroom. Just, just uh, kind of update. Damn it. You don't have to
2: tell us, man. Are you gonna just stay outside? What?
3: What'd you say? You go go help him. He's
2: go probably, help Dave. He know well, how to get out of the building.
3: He's peeing right now. But he
2: doesn't know how to get out of the building.
3: Okay. Thanks okay. guys. See you. Alright. So you got some good
1: stories. I'm ready to hear it.
2: Yeah, okay. So I've been, uh, Matt, I don't know if you are, have you been that into the, way, the front door. son of.
1: I hear you. Keep going.
3: Here. Keep going. Ignore it.
2: Matt, have you been watching the World hey guys, Cup? I, I think he is going to
3: give me. Where did a you get that mic pick. from? I think he's going to give You're spot. Why do you have another mic? I just want, I wanted to know. I wanted to tell you. I think he's going to give me a guitar pick. <laughs> I think so. I'm going to ask him. I think he's going to give me a guitar pick. All, All right, right, buddy. Go get okay. it. <laughs> go All get right, it. buddy. All right, bye. All right, but World
2: Cup, <laughs> Matt World Have Cup. you been into the World
1: Cup I, at all? I was until the United States got eliminated.
2: So when they lost, okay. Well, here's the thing about the World Cup. Okay, I'm
3: back. God. He's playing. He's he's
2: playing Dave Design on his phone now, man. I, I God hear it. It. This is almost unbearable. It's, it's just a. All I see before me is a, in comparison to his body, a really small phone playing music and there's just hair and sweat and just
3: hey this is this is Dave Bazan live in Asheville November the 4th hey Joey man come on we're doing my news can you stop yeah but hold on for a second I mean sometimes listen to that
2: okay that's enough
3: okay hold on Why do we always have to do the news? We just interviewed Dave Bazan and I'm playing a song for everybody. I think a lot of people would probably be okay. It's horrible sound quality. I mean, you didn't prepare
2: this. I have a news that I've worked on. I really want to bring it to and deliver it well to the people. So I just, I'm going to do the news now. Can you please shut your damn mouth one time in your life? For once in your life, close your damn mouth, Okay. I will. Matt, you got to do something. closing my mouth. There's nothing I can really do. <laughs>
1: <With your laughs> All
3: right, Joey. Very good.
1: Very good. Put your headphones on. Put your headphones on, buddy. Put your headphones okay, on, here we go.
2: Matt, the World Cup. Right, World Cup. Cup. All right, so... Matt, uh, and Joy, I don't know if you watch the World Cup either, but uh, do you guys have like ESPN? Are you able to watch all the games on regular Actually,
3: cable? I, I no, nope, I had to back. go to the bar to watch them.
2: Lots ah. and lots of folks are now going online, and they're using this thing. There's different companies that I guess, I'm trying to figure out the actual way you say this, but it's like a VPN service, so it changes. Mm-hmm. It, it Virtual Private Network okay very uh, yeah, very cool. good matt very good so basically it changes where you are at so the uh it you're able to say watch the brazil game if it's being shown at some place mm-hmm. on on a cable uh network in uh britain or something like that right? Oh, yeah. right so that is really uh taking over and I just kind of read this article and. Can you wh-
3: explain taking over? Like, well,
2: elaborate? Okay. So, a lot of people I don't, don't have ESPN. Means. A lot of people don't have, uh, cannot watch the games on their televisions, just like NFL is blacked out as well, right?
3: So. What do you there, mean by blacked out? You can. All
1: right. That's it. <laughs> we'll see y'all later. <laughs> <laughs> but see you next time. That's it. <laughs>